Welcome to I Testify Conversation Station. Today's topic is no sex before marriage. It's your girl Mel Mel. It's Maurice Rose. Today's quote says, how can you disregard his just and holy requirements? Can you pursue a course of sin in full view of consequences? Can you cherish unholy thoughts and base passions in the full view of the pure angels and the redeemer who gave himself for you that he might redeem you from iniquity? By Ellen G. White. Today's conversation will be broken into three parts. Number one. How did you do it? Number two, dealing with impure thoughts and suggestions. And lastly, how does sexual immorality affect one's spirituality and the marital relation? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 to 5, living to please God. God's will is for you to be holy, to stay away from sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. If we're to live to please God, mm. this, these few verses tell us that if we are getting into sexual sin, it identifies that we don't know him that we're basically being like the pagans. And God, if God doesn't know us, that's not a place that we would actually want to be. And also, it tells us that we should live in holiness and honor. Mm. And if you're living in holiness and honor, mm. you can't be mixing holiness and honor with lustful living and impure sexual thoughts. The other instruction, it says... Um, in verse three, we, we should should abstain from it. So the instruction is to avoid it. And yes. then it begins to say in verse uh, four, we should not just avoid it, but we should control it. Yeah. So it's avoid and control. And if you can't do those two things, then you do not know me. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of us put ourselves in situations where we tempt the devil to tempt us. So we're not avoiding it. And then we want to cry and say, God, I wouldn't have done it had I not been put in this situation. Mm -hmm. But nobody puts you in a situation. You yeah. know, you do your best to avoid it. Um, and yeah, I think that's just those two instructions there are the blueprint to overcoming. Avoid it, and control. It's the, it's the blueprint. And in, 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 in my Bible that I'm reading from right now, the, the chapter is titled, mm -hmm. Live to Please God. Mm. So if you're supposed to be living to please God, if your body is a temple, and I, and I don't say if in a sense of doubt, yes. just in the sense of emphasis, your body is the temple of God. So you're supposed to be in tune and honor God. That's the purpose that you have. And if you are not doing that by getting involved in sexual sin, it's very clear, as mm. you said, it's a blueprint. It's very clear that this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Too many times people say, uh, 
you know what? We're getting to know each other. It's okay. Yes, yes. Right? But no. No. <laughs> no. Because you might be thinking that you're getting to know each other, but in the practice of doing that, you are becoming like a pagan and not knowing God, and God doesn't know you. And I don't think when we take it to this level mm-hmm. of reading the scripture like this, I don't think we want to be in a place where God says, I don't know you. Reminds me of the verse that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Please God. So if basically that is highlighting the, the harmony between believing and doing. Yes. That faith isn't just an attitude or a thought. Faith is a living faith, an yes. acting faith. Yes. And so when you believe that God sent his son to redeem you, when, you, when that's personal for you, then it's automatic for you to do his will. At least it should be. It should that, be. That, that would be <laughs> when you take a look at the text and say, you know, God sent his son to die for the world. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. You need to accept it. You can't just have a head knowledge yes. of it. Yes. Right? You then need to repent from your sin. Mm. Again, it's not, well, I know I should, but you never do. Mm. Right? So it's definitely that, that link between, between. faith and life and again do you want to please god most people would not be in a position even and i'll just borrow from exactly what it says where the pagans are talking even the pagans don't want to offend their god so why should we offend our god Mm, as children of god we really shouldn't right Mm. so first corinthians chapter 7 verse 2 it says nevertheless to avoid fornication let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Now, the usual pattern is to marry. Mm-hmm. And human beings have uh, a drive for sex. That's natural. Yeah. Yeah. And so that brings us to the first part of our discussion, which is how did you do it? And so we're going to listen to Pascal and Colette Columbi, as they share with us, they are a married couple, a young couple. And so they're going to share with us how they do it. I'm pretty sure all young people, including myself, would want to know, how do you do such a thing? Because in the world we live in today, this is quite impossible. It's the opposite. It's the, yes, it's the, the opposite. exact opposite. So. so let's listen as Pascal and Colette share with us how they did it. Thank you for having us. And, um, that was a very interesting question, but we're going to try to answer it as best as we possibly can. Um, I think in, for us in our relationship, it was having a conversation and not a surface conversation like, what do you like? What's your favorite color? But really going deeper and um, asking about and finding out what our core values were and seeing if our core values actually matched and letting him know like what my boundaries were and not saying I ain't gonna do that but more like this is what I'm about these are boyfriend privileges these are um, fiance privileges (laughs) and then their husband privileges and really having a conversation um, candidly about where we're going and what we're doing and if it's not going the same place, we know okay to be like, okay, cut it, moving on. And also, it comes a time when you have to have accountability as well. 
Um, you know, God gives us a sense of accountability. We need to be able to be accountable for actions and thoughts and deeds that we do when we are together. Um, when you're trying to form that relationship and try to take it to the next level, you know, temptations come from left, right, everywhere. And so you want to have the Holy Spirit, you have God to come and just help you to withstand, like conquer those temptations that come from everywhere and be able to say, you know, honey or love or my future, whatever it is, let's help in each other to make sure that we stay as I know as accountable as accountable as we can and you know one might be stronger than the other and that's where you can help each other too and sometimes it changes and sometimes it changes as well exactly the Holy Spirit really is a great guy he's a great guy very great he's a very great guy and so keep that in mind and you will be amazed because when you do that and when you get married on that marriage day you open that gift that special gift that oh my goodness this is a great gift that nobody can ever really you know it's an experience between you and your right your person right yeah so that i i always look forward to that i always wanted to be able to look forward to that day when i can open the gift and say this is my actual gift and i can enjoy it for the rest of my life so that's in a sense what we thought we could give you guys hope we answer the question that's awesome uh that they shared that because it's like something that i heard recently um it was saying if you were a guy doing something with this girl, whether she's intended or not, imagine that her father is in the room with Mm. you. Mm. That, you know, in some cases, you know, guys don't think that way, right? Um, But what they're talking about is the fact that it's accountability. If you think of the Holy Spirit as not being a thing, but being a person in the relationship, what we tend to call our conscience you're not going to do anything Mm. because you're thinking God is in the room with me Mm. and I am supposed to love and care for this young lady. I'm speaking from a guy's perspective, obviously, but it goes both ways, right? right? Because a lot of times these days, it's not just the guy that's like, you know, fighting that battle. So it can go both ways. Just like they said, Um, in my own experience, it, it had to be identified that, you know, hey, I can't do those kind of things because I am a Christian and I realize that I love you and I can't sin against God. Mm. And it was tough. I'm be honest. It was tough. It wasn't just like a walk in the park to say, okay, yep, no problem. Turn it off. You're, you're good to go. You know, um, and a lot of times people will talk about, oh, yeah, the cold shower or whatever. If you are, and when I look back at it, if you are in, intended in your relationship with God yes. and you have allowed God to lead you to the right person, that right person is going to respect you, mm. right? So if you are, you know, in my case, I was the one that was in the church and she wasn't in the church. And I spoke to her about certain things in our relationship. And she was able to say, well, but what about, but what about, and 
we're together now because of the open communication, the getting down on my knees and praying and being able to realize that I can't just be any old how, right? So definitely um, a true approach to what's real and what's necessary. Wow, what a powerful testimony as well. Um, I listened to a preacher and he said, um, Christ, uh, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, and it's the Bible says that Joseph did not touch her right. until she gave birth. Yes. Until after. And he said, for a man who knew that this was his woman, mm-hmm. he didn't touch her for that long because he respected the fact that this wasn't just anybody. God was in there. Was in is was in. And, and that yeah. that can be. Um, we can apply that to now because we believe that when you believe in God, the Holy Spirit is within. He's in within you, and He's yes. changing your mind and transforming you. Right. So when a young man looks at me, I hope that he sees that I'm trying to be on that journey. Mm-hmm. And if the Holy Spirit is working on me, then He won't touch me for the mere fact that He knows Him and the Spirit can't share. No. 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 But that marriage relation now, like the Bible says, we become one flesh. It's no longer the Holy Spirit and him sharing. He is me and I am him. Mm-hmm. So it's the Holy Spirit right. in us. Yes. You hear me? Yes. And Preach. that's intense. It that's is intense. intense. Yes. And he says, so if Joseph can do that, that's what God is calling from all of us. That we can respect each other enough and love one another enough that just like Joseph, wait to touch his own wife mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit is in there. And and Colette mentioned that they had that open conversation, and the first thing she was interested in is knowing if their core values align. Yes. And if they don't align, she moves on. That's right. And that's where I believe young people usually fail. Yeah. We don't even want to have the discussion about core values because you already know the person that you're looking at. Their values do not align with you. Mm-hmm. But you're willing to still overlook that and hope that eventually they'll get there. Mm-hmm. And if they're not sure, if they're, the core values do not align from the jump, don't expect anything. Yeah. And that's so. the advice that our young, that's exactly what the Colombians are saying, right? If it doesn't align, then, then move, on. move on. And then Pascal mentioned um, accountability. That's yeah. big. Yeah. Because we're human at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And we have these desires. And sex is a passion. It's like an animalistic passion, mm-hmm. you know? And it's a strong one. And so, like she said, one day you're strong, the other day he's weak. Or he's strong and the other day you're weak. So just having a partner where, because your core values align and you agree on it, and then you have those moments of weakness, then I can say, you know what? I'm my brother's keeper. Mm -hmm. Let me just what? Let me just lift him up today. Exactly. And stop him or whatever it is. Like he can suggest things to me, but I'm strong enough to say, this is what we plan on doing. This is our goal. This is where we want to be. So let's remember that. So when you have that, it becomes a powerful union because you're accomplishing something big together. Not just big, spiritual. Spiritual, spiritual. That's the the whole discussion, the whole fact of, you know, becoming one flesh, Mm. right? That's That's how it works. And of course, you're not doing this on your own. You're not putting yourself in, you know, what we call in, in sales or whatever, a pressure cooker in a boiler room to like, see what pops off. No, 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 no. You need to have God in there with you Mm -hmm. and not put yourself in the compromising positions, not put yourself where 
you know, it's late at night and, oh, well, I could just stay over or whatever. Right. Don't right. put yourself in, in those situations. Situation. That's where the accountability lies and makes things go the right way. So that brings us to our second guest for um, the night, Anthony Reed. And he's going to tell us how did he do it? How did he and his wife do it? Hi, Saints. My name is Anthony Reed. So the question for me today is how did I do it? So for me and my wife, it was through the strength of the Holy Spirit simply because um, we practiced celibacy for about three years after we gave our lives to Christ and then we got married. But it was a little bit easier for us because we knew each other prior to um, giving our lives to Christ because we met in sin. So we were already sleeping together for years um, before Christ. So when we made the decision to actually stop having sex and stop the um defiling the bed, we realized that um it wasn't that big of a challenge, but it was still hard. So we made sure we put systems and um, processes in place where we would not fall as easy or at all um in our walk with keeping celibate. Um, it was um a hard road. Um, but you know what? It was well worth it because at the end of the day, we did what Lord wanted us to do. And, uh, there's a beautiful scripture that states, um, Hebrews 13, for marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So I said to myself and my wife also, uh, we were like, we can't do this to the Lord. So we had to make um, actual honest effort in keeping celibacy until we were married. And it all worked out in the end anyways. So the systems and processes that me and my wife put into place while we were practicing celibacy was by not sleeping in the same bed, um, not having um, oral sex, um, no physical playing with each other with our hands or cuddling or any of those sorts because ultimately those stuff will lead to sex but already you're already committing sexual immorality when you act out any sexual act so we knew that so we're like okay if we're gonna live together there better be two rooms in the house so she can have her own room and i can have my own room and if we're get um if we want to uh, hang out and watch a movie we're doing that on the couch we're not doing that on the bed because all of those stuff will help us not sin against the lord so I hope that provides some clarity. I would recommend, though, if you guys are thinking to get into a relationship, do not live in the same house, period, until you're married. Because then that temptation, those sins won't even come about. That's on point. Um, see, when you're hearing mm. young people, when you're hearing from someone who has found the Lord, mm. found the Lord and made a commitment and said, well, ideally, the last part of what he says, ideally, don't live in the same place. Don't put yourself in the temptation, yes. right? Live separately. Do things separately. Excellent advice. Excellent from a 
personal perspective as to how you did it. Yes. You are a person that is showing light to the circumstances. Mm. There are so many things that we put ourselves into um, where as we, we, you know, we say, okay, well, you know what? We're going to get married anyways, so mm, let's yes. just go ahead. Oh, right? I did it already. It, it, the thing is, what, what this shows us is the world would have us believe mm-hmm. that, you know what? You went down the path already, so therefore keep doing it. Yeah. Right? You did it once. Continue. Yeah. Just, it's a slippery slope, so just slide on down the hill. That's not necessary, mm. right? Uh, in, in my personal case, it was make sure we keep to our separate apartments. Make sure that as we're, we're doing what we're doing, we keep ourselves focused. Mm. And that, that became our sort of, not sort of, our definite um, way out, how we did it. Kept ourselves focused. It was... In our case, planning a wedding, sorting out how to bring finances together. Uh, those were the things that became our work towards to say, okay, well, you know what? It's intense. Um, this is what we need to do. Yes. We can't let sexual intensity break apart the other things that we're working on together. Figuring out how we were going to buy a house. Like that actually became when I think back and two years beyond that. So uh, 21 years of getting to know each other and still getting to know each other. um, Then that's like, that's the best part. So we took our relationship as a project, Sandra coming into the church going, okay, well, why do we do this? And why do we do that? And it seems like it's a tradition and okay, well here, this is where you find it in the Bible. This is where you find the principle mm-hmm. in the Bible. Our studies were done separately. There were things that we studied separately. There were things that we studied together. Mm. There was um, counseling that was separate from that. So that was incredible to hear three different testimonies, um, three different situations, circumstances. We mm-hmm. saw uh, a couple who knew God together, set those boundaries their core values were aligned and they were able to do it. We've seen a couple who didn't know God and were transgressing against his law, found God and did exactly what God told them to do mm-hmm. and were able to build something beautiful today. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a couple who one didn't know God and one knew God and you're able to keep your values and not be swayed. Yeah. And because of that, we saw somebody who was able to spy your conduct ask more questions and get to know God for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so just seeing those three examples, I think is so important for us young people to understand that it is possible. This thing is not impossible because with God, everything is possible. Going to our second segment, which is dealing with impure thoughts and suggestions. Matthew 5, 28 says this, and it's entitled in the section, Teaching About Adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He's telling us the seat of your action is your mind. 
So you, and there are other things, but very specifically saying, if you're looking at a woman to say, I want that woman, no one knows that that's what you're thinking, but you and God. Mm. And he's saying, if you're doing that, then you are, you have committed adultery. So the impure thoughts, just figuring that nobody else knows, right? God knows. And that should be enough. Just like we spoke in the, in the first segment when we said, if you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, if you think that the father is in the room, much less or much worse, if God is in the You're room. Expecting I have God. Right? Mm. And you're asking God to bless your union and all of that. Now, to, to throw things out there as well. With the impure thoughts, if you're even, and, and, and sometimes people say, okay, well, she's mine now, or he's mine now. So therefore, I can think any lustful, dirty thought about my spouse, and then I'm going to act it out when I get home. That's not right either. Because what you're doing is you're objectifying your spouse. You're using your spouse as a plaything. Mm. You shouldn't be doing that. So it might extend a little bit further to say when you're playing things in your mind and you act them out, you're not doing that because you love your spouse. You're gratifying you're yourself. You're gratifying yourself, gratifying your passions. Yeah, which we shouldn't be doing. Wow. It's something that many of us may struggle with and not realize that we're struggling with it. Yes. We're putting ourselves in front of um, unclean food, let's just say because you know what you behold with your eyes definitely affects what you're going to do so you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that right he judges the motive that prompts the action right for him to tell you that means that he can also offer you the solution that's it so christianity or believing in god is about the transformation of the mind Mm -hmm. that's where god starts it's not the action that he's concerned about because there are people who do good things with the wrong intent. And to God, it's wrong. That's it. And so when you have that, like Pascal and Colette said, that individual relationship, and now you come together and realize it's aligned, what, what they're talking about when they're talking about alignment isn't just you saying, yes, I believe in this or this, but individually you understand that you're tied with God mm-hmm. and you believe that he's transforming you as you go, yeah. that you're strong enough to say, I can overcome this. And it's the thing as well is it's it's not a race that has a finish line, mm, right? It's a journey. Right? Yes, it's a journey. Taking the time to know each other, great. Knowing each other is not just in the bedroom. Knowing each other is is building relationship, building relationship with you, the person, and God. That that is key. If you're doing that. And if you're planning on doing that, you will actually enjoy your relationship. You're going to look forward to going home to your, to your spouse. You're going to have no issue being in the house in the circumstances that we're currently in. First Thessalonians 5 verse 22. And it reads, abstain from all appearance of evil. When we talk about appearance of evil don't do things that will put you in a different light 
if you're supposed to be a child of God, yes. don't go places that you shouldn't be going. Mm. Don't do things that you shouldn't be doing. Don't watch things that you shouldn't Should be, be watching. watching. It's that simple. That's the appearance of evil. A lot of women, we, we are guilty of seducing, mm-hmm. knowing, especially Christian women, knowing that you know, sexual fornication is wrong, walking into it by seducing them, not avoiding appearances of evil. Mm-hmm. We fall as a couple, and then I blame you for getting me to that place. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You've played with the fire, right? So, oh, well, it's warm. It's nice. I like that feeling, right? And we, we start to be like the amphibian where you slowly turn the water up and it ends up being cooked because it's not realizing that what it's, is happening is it's being cooked because the mm-hmm. temperature is slowly warming up. So you're, you're playing with that fire and, oh, yeah, I got a little scab. And the, that the scab heat, is fine. <laughs> yeah. And you play with the scab for a little bit and then it gets hard and then you go back to the fire. And this time it burns you a little bit more. And as it's burning you a little bit more, you're not realizing that it's changing you. And as you keep doing that, you're becoming calloused. Mm. You're coming to that state where you don't appreciate freshness. You're not appreciating good things. You talk about pornography. It's put out there to capture one thing, one intensity. Um, majority of it appeals to men. Men love the visual, Mm. right? So we're caught up by it, and that's what we then start to look for when we are supposed to be looking for our Proverbs 31 woman. But we're not finding a Proverbs 31 woman. We're finding a A porn porn star star is what we're looking for. And even within the industry of porn, they tell you, yeah, we have to do this, this, and this to make things appear, to keep the excitement going. Because oh. your body doesn't work that way. Mm. But we have this thing in our mind that our body is supposed to work that way. And it doesn't. And then you're gratifying yourself, and then you expect either way. Your husband-to-be, your wife-to-be, to be that person. And when they're not that person, you are absolutely dissatisfied Mm. and and all you're doing is you're setting yourself up for it yeah right so and so that leads us actually into the third part of our conversation where we're looking at how sexual immorality sexual misconduct um affects our spirituality and the marital relation and so we have our third guest for the night pastor daniel innocent Hi, everyone. My name is Daniel Innocent. I'm an assistant pastor. Um, I would give a lot of pleasantries, but we got to get straight right into it because I don't have that much time. The Bible says in Genesis chapter one, I'm just going to bring it up here quickly. It says, and Adam said, and sorry, Genesis chapter two, verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You see, whenever you see the word therefore, it tells you that what happened before that word is so imperative to what's happening after that word. Adam was in the garden alone. 
This is the only thing that God saw was not good. And so the Bible says that God had to make him or God chose to make him a helper that was comparable to him. Someone that would be there as a companion, someone that would be there as a friend, someone who would be able to be there, not just to help him with his calling, but someone that they would be able to share a close intimacy together with, right? This oneness, this is the reason why God instituted marriage. This is the reason why God instituted sex. It wasn't just a hookup. It wasn't just so that I could get the feeling because obviously sex feels good. If it didn't feel good, nobody would do it, right? The world is full of animals and people because sex feels good, right? Um, but that's not the point. The point is that for, for us as, as people, we don't just sleep with any and any, with every and anybody. Well, most of us don't just sleep with every and anybody, um, but you want to wait for somebody special. But I know for some of you, it stops at that, right? It's just, I want to wait for somebody special. And so long as that person's special, then it's good enough for me. But what you don't understand is that sex is actually reserved for the person that you're married to, for a man and a woman in a, in a holy matrimony. And the reason why is because sex outside of marriage does something to you um, both emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychologically. Um, it does so much that I can't unpack everything in this short two-minute video. Um, but what I can tell you, oh, and I'm getting a phone call. Um, what I can tell you is that the traumas that you experience in your life, you have to tackle in your marriage. And your spouse is actually going and is supposed to be the one to help you to tackle those traumas. I honestly believe that many marriages fail because there's a, a failure of both individuals to work together to deal with the baggage that they had before marriage, the baggage that they had from childhood, and especially the baggage that they had from sex. You wouldn't believe me if I told you I know wives who on their first night with their husband on their honeymoon, instead of it being a joyous night, they cried because they felt like their husband treated them as if they were just a piece of meat and it wasn't special. You see, when you use sexual immorality, it removes the spirituality and the specialness from acts that were created holy. And then what it does is it teaches you to do it the impure and the wrong way, especially pornography. And you grow so used to seeing it the wrong way, the corrupt way, that you start thinking that the corrupt way is the way. That's why for a lot of people, even after they get married, they still feel guilt and shame about sex because they've been taught sex so wrong for so long, believing that it's something bad when it's not. It's only bad when it's used out of context. Similarly, worship is good, but worshiping idols is bad. The reason why is because when you worship God, you invite the Spirit of God into you. When you worship idols, you invite the spirits of evil, you invite evil spirits into you. When you become one with your wife, when you become one with your husband, that's something intimate that is sealed by God. You have to be careful who you become one with. 
That's why the Bible goes as far as saying that all the other sins that we do, we do outside the body, but sexually immoral sins are the only sins that we do to our own bodies because our bodies are temples. Be very careful. It can send you into depression. It can let you live with guilt and it can disconnect you. And this is the, this is the, this is the most difficult part. When you feel disconnected from sex as an action and it no longer holds any significance or any weight, that can completely cripple a marriage. Can you imagine that connection and that bond that you feel for your husband or for your wife? And let's say you manage to spend the whole dating experience without having sex and now on the honeymoon you finally do. And you've never experienced something so connecting. You feel so close to that person. When you say, wow, like, how do you feel? They say, I feel fine. But it's just sex. How would you feel at that, at that moment? That sex with you is just sex. Is that what it's supposed to be? It's supposed to be so much more than that. It's the most intimate thing that God has given a husband and a wife. And if you truly want to have a gift for the person that you're waiting for, honestly, that is one of the best gifts that you can give them. But I'm telling you, when you use it out of context, it messes things up. Not to mention, it separates you so fast from God. The guilt that you feel from having sex is just inexplicable. And it makes you literally feel so distant from God. Right? There's mistakes that I made long ago in my past that... There's even times when I go to preach, I'll have feelings of unworthiness and I have to claim the blood of Jesus till this day. Be smart, do what's right, not what's popular. Wait and you'll be blessed and you won't regret it. God bless you. That's it. That there's there's nothing else to say. And so we're just gonna listen to one more testimony or educational piece from from somebody grown. Yeah. Somebody grown, somebody who's been in the game for a while now. Um, Pastor D- Kevin Donaldson. When it comes to sexual immorality and how it affects us spiritually uh, that is something that is very very real sexual immorality not only affects us in terms of our spirituality but also if we're looking at sexual immorality before marriage it also affects or marital relationship. For example, 
for someone who was promiscuous, having many sexual partners at a young age and before marriage and then getting married, that exposes the individual to a number of experiences that will now affect the marriage in terms of they come into the marriage with certain expectations. And so if they were to marry someone who is inexperienced sexually, they have these expectations that they would like to be met. And when that cannot be met because the person is not um, that experienced, it either creates a challenge for them to experience the sexual satisfaction they're looking for, or if it's not forthcoming, then they tend to revert to their promiscuous immoral behavior by going on the outside and perhaps going back uh, to even past um, partners. And some of the experiences may not be what their spouse or their partners are comfortable with, and because they have engaged it over a period of time, they want to now impose that. And so it creates um, a, a divide, as it were, where one person wants this, the other person is not comfortable with it, and that in turn breaks down, um, in, 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 in turn breaks the marriage down as far as sexual expectations and satisfaction are concerned. Sexual immorality also uh, includes uh, functioning in ways that are not uh, were not intended. Um, for example, a normal sexual relationship where one would uh, you know uh, would just have sex in the normal sense of penal and vaginal penetration. Uh, Tend to, immorality tends to include many other things that brings puts people at risk in terms of health and, 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 and other things like that. And so, you know, you begin to get debased as it were. Debased in the sense that you're desiring all kinds of what folks would call freaky actions. And so your spirituality now is, 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 is being compromised. Because as the Bible would say, you know, you know, you leave in the context of a man, um, would leave the natural use of a woman and engage in unnatural uses of various body parts. And so your spirituality now is compromised as well as your marital relationship because you have been predisposed to experiences that now you cannot find in the marriage relationship. Things that I would say is, I hope that as we've talked about this in a very candid manner, yes. that those of you taking this in will realize that we found the gems in the Bible that tell you what to do. And now all you actually need to do is, is do it. Do it. Mm, thank you. And so that brings us to the end. And for every instruction and warning, there is a promise. And so the instruction today, if you have time, I would recommend you to definitely, not no and if, but read Galatians chapter 5, starting from verse 16 
all the way down to 26. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, and illicit, and one of them is sexual morality, impurity, and sensuality. I have told you in the past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I was taking little bits um, of that chapter. And so the instruction is walk in the spirit. The warning is if you commit the works of the flesh, which includes sexual morality, the subject for today, you shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But God doesn't just leave us with an instruction and a warning. He always provides a way of an escape. And so 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, and this is the promise for us today. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, and it reads, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so God's promise today is he sent his son to be like you, to live like you, to overcome so that you overcome, to be an example. And so if there's anyone who understands you is Christ. No temptation he does not understand. It is common because he is man, the mystery that he is man and God. But he overcame, so he gives you the power to overcome. He weighs the situation before he, the temptation comes your way. And he also provides you with the ability and the power to overcome. And so that is the promise that if you walk in the spirit, avoid and submit your life to Christ, God will have the control of your life to give you the power to overcome. This is I Testify Conversation Station. Thank you.